Today, we are going to talk about what it's really all about. What it's really all about. There are a lot of things in this life that we can think, you know, life is really all about family. Or life is really all about friends. Life is really about work. Life is really all about going to church. Life is really all about making money. There are a lot of things that compete for our attention and our affection. There are a lot of things that we can say, you know, this is what life is really all about. Well, today, we are going to talk about what it's really all about. We've been going through a series on Sunday mornings called It's Not About Me. And uh, as you can tell, if, uh, if it's not about me and we're talking about what it's really all about, it's really all about, mm, it's not me. And it's not you. And that's what we've been talking about with this sermon series uh, called It's Not About Me. The things that life is really all about. The purposes for life. The reason why we do what we do. The hope that we have. The purpose uh, for why we live. We're talking about uh, what life is really all about. And it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's not about what we want. It's not about our personal preferences and our desires and the things that we need and the things that we want. It's not about us. But rather, we are talking about what life is all about. And today, we are talking about what life is really all about. What it is really, really all about. And what it is really all about is a very simple word. And this is my favorite thing to preach on in the whole wide world. I love to talk about this. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, I've done a whole sermon series about it. And this is what it all comes down to. It's what it all boils down to. And that's love. That is what it's really about all about is love. I, I believe that love is, is, well, I mean, the Beatles said it best. Love is really all you, all you need is, and then they broke up, right? Yeah. Uh, how sad is that? You know, all you need is love. I can't stand you there, mate. And so anyway, that was my very poor impression of the Beatle. Um, so grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a passage that I don't preach on very often. And I'm trying to remember the last time I preached on it. And it's been so long that I can't remember the last time I preached on it. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. If you are going to use the Bible in the pew in front of you, turn to page 813. That's where you'll find that one. Or if you have a digital Bible on your iPad or tablet or phone, then you are way too cool for school. Um, but we're going to turn to this famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13. And you've probably heard it preached at weddings or read at a wedding. This love is patient, love is kind business. This very, very famous passage about love. And I have preached on it. In fact, nearly every wedding I preach, I preach on 1 Corinthians 13 and what love is really all about. Um, but today we're going to go a little bit deeper into what love is and how life is really, really all about love. Um, we're going to turn in your bulletin to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline. And uh, you'll find some blanks to fill in. And the very first blank that you're going to fill in this morning is have not love. Now that sounds really odd, doesn't it? I mean, just kind of a phrase. It's not a sentence. It's just have not love. And, well, that comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 4. So let's look uh, at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 4 as we read about this. Paul says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. Excellent. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. First blank on your outline is have not love. Paul talks about doing great, awesome, spiritual things. He talks about doing these amazing things for God. But he says if, there, if it's not done out of the right motivation, loving God and loving others, if it's not done out of a heart of love, and if I don't love, then what am I doing? It's worthless. He says, you know what? I can do amazing things for Jesus. But if I don't do it out of love, I gain nothing, and it's worthless. Um, He says, I can utter beautiful praises. He says, I can speak in the tongues of angels and men. I can use supernatural language, even. But if it's not done done out of love, I'm I'm like a a clanging cymbal. Sorry to the drummer. I may as well just be making noise. If I, even if I praise God, but it's not done out of a love for God, I'm just making noise. He says, I can have incredible insights into the mysteries of faith, that into the mysteries of belief, and I can have all kinds of knowledge about theology. I can go to school and get a bachelor's degree, a, a, a master's degree, a, a doctorate, a PhD. I can get all kinds of knowledge and theological understanding. But if it's not done because I love God, and if it's not used to love other people, what good is it? So I can have all kinds of knowledge. He says I can have even, I can have great faith. I can have a faith that can move mountains. Although Jesus said all it takes to move mountains is the faith the size of a a mustard seed. But he says I can have mustard mustard seed size faith, or I can have huge faith, and I can move mountains. But again, if I don't love God, what's the point? What is the point? He says, I can make sacrifices for the poor. I can take all my stuff and I can sell my clothes and I can sell my house and I can sell my land and I can sell my car and I can sell everything I own and give my possessions and give give it away and, and I can give my money to the poor and I can help the poor. But if it's not because I love the poor, then it's worth nothing. He says, one of the other things he says is, I can, I can become a martyr for Jesus. I can surrender my body to the flames, he says. Uh, I, if, if I could, I could uh, be a martyr for Christ. I could give up my life and I could suffer and die for his sake and suffer and die for his name. But if it's not because I love him, then I gain nothing. See, for Paul, it was clear that without love, He's nothing. That love is really what it's all about. See, life is not about possessions. Life is not about things. It's not about money. It's not about getting ahead. It's not about your job. It's not about your family. It's not about your friends. Life really comes down to this one thing. And it's all about love. You see, Paul says that there are three things. There's faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest thing in all the world, the greatest force in all the world, the greatest thing is love. You might think to yourself, well, what about God? I mean, isn't God greater than love? The Bible says in 1 John 4 that God 
is love. That the very definition of love is God. That God is all about love. And as His people, we too should be all about love. Loving Him, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. We should be all about love because that's what life is really all about. It's about love. And if we don't live with a love for God and a love for others, our lives are meaningless and worthless. Well, that sounds kind of harsh. Without love, we're nothing, folks. As a church, if we don't love our community, if we don't love each other, then what are we? It's just, just a club. And I don't want to be a club. I want to be a church full of people who love God and love others. That's what I want to be. I hope you want to be that too. So life is really all about love. But how do we do that? And what does love look like? What does love in action look like? The second blank on your outline is how to love. We're going to talk about how to be a loving person, how to be a more loving person. And it's interesting that Paul creates quite a list here. 16 things. 16 things. It's a 16-point sermon. You're going to be here a while. Just relax, okay? We're going to go through 16 things. Now, there are not 16 blanks on your outline. I didn't want to give anyone writer's cramp today. But take a note. Take some notes on a few of these things. The 16 attributes of love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Some of these go hand in hand with one another. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But all are vital. Every single one of these attributes is vital to becoming a person who loves God more and who loves others more and to become a more unconditionally loving person. To love people and to love God with no conditions. Because we are people who like to put conditions on things, don't we? If you do this for me, then I'll love you. God, if you bless me, I'll love you. God, if you save me, I'll love you. Um, You know, if you take me out to dinner, I'll love you. If you buy me a car, I'll love you. We put conditions on our, we put a lot of ifs on our love. And what God desires is that we would be people who love unconditionally. And that's what this passage is really all about. It's how to do that. So let's look, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We'll save the next one for a little bit later on. Let's look at these first 15 attributes of love. The first is to be patient. Now, the Greek word for patience is a word that means long-suffering. Now, if you've been married for any amount of time, you may think, I know what suffering is all about. No, that is not not nice, and that is not loving. That is not loving. But love is patient. Love means having to, sometimes it means having to put up with. Sometimes it means having to bear with. Sometimes it means long-suffering. You know, um, I think about a passage... Uh, of scripture from second peter chapter three here's why we should be patient in love because god is patient with us second peter second peter three nine says god is patient with us 
2 Peter 3, 9. And what that passage is talking about is about the return of Jesus. And there were some people questioning whether Jesus was going to return or not. And they were wondering why, why it was taking so long. They were ready to go. They were undergoing persecution. They are like, let's get out of here. And what happens is, is Peter says, God is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Rather, he is patient with us. That God is patient with us. That he holds Jesus back. Why? He says he is patient with you so that others will come to repentance. So that others will come to know Jesus. And he is patient. And he is waiting. And he is patient with us. Because you know what? We're sinners. And we fall short. I don't know about you. Well, actually, I do know about you. And you know about me. Because I'm a lot like you. We're all sinners. We all fall short. We do the wrong things, we say the wrong things, we don't do the right things, and we don't say the right things. We, sometimes we stab each other in the back and we gossip, or we uh, uh, do this too much or do that too much, or don't do this enough and don't do that enough. We're sinners. We're aware of that. And we want God to be patient with us. We want God to forgive us. And we need to be patient with others. We need to love others as He has loved us, and we need to be patient with others. Um, the second one is to be kind. In Colossians 3.12, Paul wrote to clothe yourselves with kindness. Clothe yourselves with kindness. We are to live lives that are marked by kindness and doing good deeds. You heard the phrase, perhaps you've heard the phrase, practice random acts of kindness. Have you heard that before? You know, I, I don't think that Christians should practice random acts of kindness. No, I think we should practice intentional acts of kindness. That we should be intentional in our kindness. That we should be reaching out to the world in kindness and demonstrating kindness and showing kindness and loving other people and doing good deeds for other people and taking care of people like the poor and taking care of those who are sick. We should practice intentional acts of kindness. Not just kind of haphazardly going, eh, I accidentally did a good deed. Star on my chart in heaven. Remember the charts in Sunday school that, you know, put the star in the chart and I'm a good boy. I love those. I hope there's a heavenly star chart, but I have a feeling that there's not. Because if there's a heavenly star chart, then there's probably a heavenly sin chart. And my star chart's like this big, my sin chart's like this big. And so we'll do away with the charts. And just trust in God's grace, right? Right. <laughs> But we should practice intentional acts of kindness, doing good deeds for other people, um, demonstrating kindness to other people on purpose, demonstrating kindness on purpose, living to do good deeds and kind acts out of our love for other people, and because God has been kind to us. The third one is uh, don't envy. This has to do with jealousy. In Exodus chapter 20, one of the Ten Commandments, okay, it says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Do not covet. Do not be envious. Do not be jealous. Do you know what it means when we're jealous or when we covet or when we're envious? It means that we're not satisfied. We are not satisfied with the blessings that God has provided, and we want more. Well, he got a new car. Why can't I have a new car? They moved into a newer, bigger house across town. 
maybe this house isn't quite good enough. Maybe we should start looking into selling our house and buying a bigger house. He got new clothing. Why can't I have new clothing? I'm wearing new jeans today. Aren't they nice? It was my birthday this week. Envy. Jealousy. It's ugly. And it's wanting what others have. And it's not loving. It is not loving. It is jealousy and envy is a cousin of greed and discontentment. It is saying that I deserve more than what God has given me. I deserve it. What does Romans 6.23 tell us? That the wages, what we deserve for our sin, is death. That's what we deserve. But yet we think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I deserve to have some blessings from God. I deserve to have more than what I've got. I deserve to have more. We don't deserve anything. I was thinking about that during communion this morning. It's like, I do not deserve God's forgiveness. I do not deserve God's love. I deserve His wrath. I deserve His anger. I deserve His punishment. But I don't deserve His love. I don't deserve anything. Yet He chooses to love me and forgive me and bless me anyway. Same thing goes for you. But when we say, I deserve this, we take the McDonald's attitude. You deserve a break today, right? You deserve that new car. You deserve that new house. You deserve those new clothes. You deserve all that food that's in your pantry going bad. That's where jealousy and envy feeds, is on the idea that we deserve. They got it. I want it. I deserve it. That's not what love does. Love does not envy. Second one, the next four all have something in common. It all comes from an attitude of self. The, the, the next one is, is don't boast. That's a word we don't use very often. We sing a song about it. I will boast uh, in the Lord my God. But w- you don't hear people talking about boasting very often. But yet we do it. We're pretty good about it. We're pretty good about telling people how awesome we are. Aren't we? I, I'm a really good person. That's, you, that's one you hear a lot. I do good things. I do kind deeds. I'm a nice guy. We boast about ourselves and how great we are. Love does not boast. Love is humble. Love is humble. Love is meek. Love is not boastful. Let me tell you about how great I am. Really? Because that's what you want to hear, right? No. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Don't be proud. To be proud is to be full of yourself. To have a self-obsessed heart. That it's all about me. I'm going to look out for number one. It's all about me. And I'm going to boast and tell you how awesome I am. Because I believe how awesome I am. You're full of pride. And I believe that pride is the deadliest sin of all. Do you know why? Because pride says, I don't need a savior. I don't need someone to save me. I'm good enough on my own. I got this. I can take care of this. I can do this by myself. I'm going to pull myself up my bootstraps, and I can do this. It's all about me, and I don't need anybody. And I don't need a Savior, and I don't need your God, and I don't need Jesus. That's pride. Love is not proud. 
True love is not proud. And see, pride is so deadly because, like I said, it means, it says, I don't need a Savior. And what happens is, what happens is somebody says, well, I don't need a Savior, so I'm, I don't need to believe. I don't need to believe in all that religion stuff. I don't need to repent. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not a bad person. I'm, I'm not that bad. I don't need to repent and turn away from sin. I don't need to confess anything. I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to live a new life. I'm good. I've got this. I've got it all down. I figured it out. Love is not proud. Pride is a stench in the nostrils of God. Pride stinks. And pride is deadly. Don't be rude. Love is not rude. You know what love does? Love holds the door. Love doesn't cut off in traffic. Oh, <laughs> I heard a few nervous giggles on that one. Uh, <laughs> got some traffic cutter offers? Yes, maybe? So? No? Okay. Love is not rude. Like I said, love holds the door. Rudeness means I am the most important one. Rudeness is insensitivity to others around you. Rudeness is saying it's all about me. Others do not matter. I am going first. I deserve to go first. A truly loving person, the one who says that I understand what life is all about, what it's really all about is love, truly a loving person says, Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That I will put myself last. That I will not be rude. I will let others go before me. I will be meek and I will be humble and I will be sensitive to the needs of others around me rather than just taking care of myself. The last of these four is don't be self-centered. That is the culmination of these four traits. Love does not put the self first. Love does not say it's all about me. Love is about serving other people and loving other people. It's all about others not being self-centered. Love says it's not about me. You know why? Because Jesus said it's not about me. It's about everybody else. It's about everyone else. And that's why he went to the cross and that he suffered and he died. He died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven because he put you and he put me before himself. He was not self-seeking. Rather, he came to seek and to save who? The lost. And at one time, we were all lost. We were all lost. And yet we've been found by God's amazing grace. Next one. Don't lose your temper. It says, love is not easily angered. This has to do with wrath. It has to do with rage. Flying into a rage. Love does not abuse. Love does not abuse. Love is not full of wrath and full of rage. You know why? Because God is not full of wrath. And God is not full of rage. And that is a wonderful thought. Because I know so many people who are like, Oh, God is so angry with me. God is so mad at me. I've done so many bad things and I carry around so much guilt. And I know that God is out to get me. God is not out to get you. In that He's not out to pour out you know, wrath on you and to smite you. and to, he's, not, he's not throwing lightning bolts at you. No, God, God is out to get you. He's out to get you in a relationship with Him. He's out to get you into His kingdom. He's out to get you into heaven. He's not out to get you. 
and that he's angry with you. He loves you. And he is not easily angered because love is not easily angered. So don't lose your temper. Don't fly off the handle for silly reasons. Love needs to bear with one another, not abuse one another. The next one is be forgiving. In Matthew 6, 15, Jesus said, If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Love is forgiving. That means overlooking some things. We have to learn. We have to learn to love and to forgive other people. And here's the good news, okay? We have been forgiven by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We have been forgiven by God And now, knowing what kind of sinners we are, knowing what we've done, knowing the things that we've said and done, the things that we haven't done, the things we haven't said, knowing the good deeds that we haven't done and the bad things that we've done, knowing all of this, and that God has overlooked it and He has cleansed us and forgiven us and washed us clean in Jesus' blood, knowing that, how should we respond? With forgiveness for those who trespass against us. That we who are forgiven should be the most forgiving people on the planet. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, and that's easy. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not, if, if anybody tells you that forgiveness is easy, they're trying to sell you something. Seven easy steps to forgiving someone. Buy it now on Amazon by Sean L. Cornett. I'm going to make billions of dollars by selling my book, Seven Easy Steps to Forgive Somebody. I haven't written such a book. I will never write such a book. Because I know how hard forgiveness is. It's hard to forgive people. It really is. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You see them, and your blood starts to boil. (laughs) There they are. Don't they know what they did to me? Don't they know how they hurt me? No, they don't. They are living life like it's no big deal. And you're looking at them going, don't they know? No, they don't. And they are holding all the power over you. They are holding you hostage to your pain. They don't feel it. And God is saying, love forgives. And again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's easy. To shake the hand of somebody who stabbed you in the back, that ain't easy. We are called to forgive. Because love is forgiving. The next two go hand in hand. Don't love the wrong things and love the right things. When he says, uh, love does not rejoice with evil. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. means don't love the wrong things and love the right things. Love the things of God. Don't love the things of this world. Do not love Satan Do not love sin. Do not love the things of this world that are only temporary, but rather love God. Love the things of God. Love the truth. The Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Love the truth. Love Jesus. Love the truth of God's word. Love his word. Do not love the wrong things, but rather love the right things. The last four, he says these really quickly. Love protects, meaning we defend those whom we love. We stand up for what is right. 
We stand up for what is true. Love protects, love trusts. He says love believes all things, meaning you have to trust in your spouse. You have to trust in God. You have to not assume. How much trouble do we get into because we make assumptions, because we assume things? Well, I know what she's thinking. I know what he's thinking. I'm a mind reader. Sure you are. That's why you're making millions of dollars at the county fair, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're a mind reader. Not at all. Don't assume, but trust. Hope. Love hopes. The unconditional love of God fills our heart with hope. And we need to hope. We need love that endures. We need love that hopes. Because there is a coming a day. There is coming a day when it will get better. And because we know Jesus, we know hope. And we got to have hope. Finally, love perseveres. Love perseveres. Love keeps going when everyone else gives up. And you may want to give up. You may be at the point in your life, it's just, I want to give up. I want to give up on my family. I want to give up on my husband. I want to give up on my wife. I want to give up on my kids. Don't give up. Love perseveres. True love keeps going when everyone else gives up. Love perseveres. Keep going. Love endures. Love lasts. Love keeps going. Don't give up on it. Because God will not give up on you. Two challenges. Pull out your heart. Not that heart, this heart. (laughs) Indiana Jones, right? Pull out your heart. Two challenges that you can do with this heart. You get to choose. Choose your own adventure. All right? The first one is you know somebody. You know someone who needs this heart. You know somebody who needs love. They need to hear that they are loved. They need to hear that you love them or that God loves them. And I want you to, if, if this is your challenge that you choose to accept, I want you to write a love note to somebody on this heart and give it to them this week. So if you know somebody who needs love, I want you to write a love note on this heart and give it to them this week. You can write it from yourself. You can write it from God. Write a love note to somebody on your heart this week. Second challenge. Look at this list up here. 16 things, right? Because the last one is love never fails. It never, ever fails. We sing a song on Sunday mornings. One thing remains. Love, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. And God's love will never fail you. Even though your friends may fail you, your family may fail you, your spouse may fail you, your children may fail you, God will never fail you. And his love will never fail you. So in knowing that, his love never fails. I don't want my love to fail. And I know you don't want your love to fail. So what we have to do is we got to pray. I want you to look at this list of 15 things, 15 traits of love. What do you need to work on? Which one is really struggle, are you struggling with? What's the one thing that you say, man, I look at that list and I'm pretty good at this and I'm pretty good at that and I got this down kind of and, and I'm working on this, but man, this one area of this list really, really dogs me. It is really hard. And I need God's help. So if you need to take challenge number two, I want you to write down that thing on your heart. And I want you to put your heart somewhere where you're going to see it this week as a reminder to pray about that area. So challenge number one, tell somebody that you love them or tell somebody that God loves them. Write them a love note on your heart this week and give it to them. Challenge number two, what area are you struggling with? And how are you going to pray about that this week? 
Write that down on the heart. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it to remind you to pray about that area this week. Okay? Can you do that? Awesome. Because love, my friends, can't say it enough. Like I said, this is my favorite thing to preach about. My favorite thing to talk about is love. And that's what it's really all about. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together today and for this time of the sermon to, to, to hear and understand a little better Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 13. I pray today for my friends that you would help us to be more loving, that you would help us to be considerate and mindful of others, loving towards those we come into contact with, and in all things to love you first and foremost. Jesus said that uh, the greatest commandment is to love you, and the second is like it, to love each other. So help us to be loving people this week to take this challenge, to do that which you've called us to do, and to be truly loving. I thank you for my friends, and I pray that they have a wonderful week this week. And uh, for those uh, who may be hearing this message for the first time, who may be hearing about your love for the first time, I pray that you would touch their hearts in a special way today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.